0: Hello and welcome to Stuck in the 90s. We are your weekly nostalgia podcast chronicling the years 1990 through 1999. We're your hosts. My name is Chris Elphick. And I'm Connor Thompson. You know, if you guys are longtime listeners, you've probably heard that many times. But if you're new to the podcast, do you think anyone is, is jumping onto the ship at this point? Oh, probably the '90s ship, the nostalgia train, the uh, I don't know, the taxi cab of yesteryear. Wow, taxi cab of yesteryear. Yeah, I think that's the new that's the new thing.
1: I kind of like it,
0: as opposed to the Uber of tomorrow. Well, yeah. Um, what are we doing this week? <laughs> July 16th. Who knows? <laughs> July 16th through 22nd in 1991 is what we will be covering this week. Uh, so. Now that you've hailed this taxicab taxi of yesteryear, we will be putting on the little fare button, lighting up the roof, or whatever, you know, whatever taxis do. July 16th, OC schools ponder ban on gang attire.
1: Worried about the influence of gangs, two Orange County school districts have proposed dress codes that would ban colors, clothing, and even hairstyles that authorities say are associated with gang activity. The Orange Unified and Tustin Unified School District Boards will vote on their respective dress codes later this summer. Principals in Orange would get broad authority to restrict apparel they consider to be gang-related, while Tustin's plan is more specific and prohibits such items as Los Angeles Raiders jackets and red or blue athletic shoes. A kid can be at school and never have a problem, but as soon as they put on their colors, they're putting on their gang uniform, and they start to have a problem, said Frank Bowler, an administrative assistant for child welfare who helped
0: develop Orange Unified's policy. I feel like this was really a thing in the 90s. Like, do you remember being in elementary school and certain times, not often, but if you were wearing like a red bandana or something, uh, which I never did, but... Bandanas kind of came back into the scene towards the end of the 90s, but if you were wearing a red bandana or a blue bandana, people are like, those are gang colors. You can't can't be repping those.
1: Well, like, we grew up in a very predominantly white Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada, and there were still people who were, like, getting all up in arms about the Bloods and the Crips. Yeah. So what was it like in, you know, the O.C.?
0: I mean, welcome to the O.C., I, I feel like this would be a perfect time for that uh for that clip.
1: Welcome to the OC, bitch. And this is how it's done in Orange County.
0: <sighs> we are like what? We were twelve-year-olds in yeah, predominantly white, relatively suburban Niagara Falls. I don't think gang problems were really a huge issue. Anyway, let's move on. July 17th. Man held after nine-year-old fires gun at Bronx Building. The police filed weapons charges yesterday against a man who had been living with the aunt of a 9-year-old boy who fired a 9-millimeter gun at a Bronx office building on Monday. A police spokesman, Detective Joseph Gallagher, said detectives arrested the suspect, uh Jesus M Cruz, possibly Jesus M Cruz, 29 years old, near his apartment uh in the Bedford Park section, a couple miles I, I assume of the Bronx, a couple miles from where the shooting took place. Detective Gallagher said that Mr. Cruz was charged with endangering the welfare of a child, as well as the unlawful possession of a deadly weapon. The boy's name was not released. Police said the boy found the six-pound automatic in a bedroom that Mr. Cruz had been sharing with the boy's 30-year-old aunt, uh, Maria Garcia. They said Mr. Cruz had recently moved out. I wonder if he forgot the gun. How do you
1: forget a gun? Maybe you have too many guns.
0: Yeah I, yeah, I guess if you've got, like, a, a whole collection of automatic weapons, yeah, you know, you just leave one behind. Uh, it's, Happens yeah, to the best. You ones. know, what's, what's one gun between friends? On Monday, the police said the boy loaded the gun and fired a single shot towards the office building at 190 Willow Street uh, in the shadow of the Bruckner Expressway. The bullet did minor damage to a window frame as it whizzed through, then went past a clerk working at her desk on the second floor of the building. The bullet pierced a metal cabinet and slammed into a wall. Shit. Yeah. That being said, going back to the gangs, if this nine-year-old ever wants to join one, he's immediately got some pretty good street cred. Yeah, that's true. Street cred is so important. Yeah. I've heard. <laughs> he doesn't need. He doesn't need a, a red or blue bandana. He's he fired an automatic weapon into an office. Yeah, it's kind of baller. Like shitty, but baller. Yeah. Maybe. Oh yeah, don't fire yeah, automatically. No, this do is that. not endorsement of automatic weapons or firing them into buildings full of innocent yeah, people. But like uh, street please, cred wise, that, that, that kids hard as fuck. Oh yeah.
1: All right, July 18th. Perry Farrell launches the first Lollapalooza tour as a farewell for his just dissolved band Jane's Addiction. Other acts appearing on the tour include Shit. How is that pronounced? I don't know. Suey, Sue, Susie? Oh, we're not cool enough to know how to pronounce this band's name. Fuck them. Nine Inch Nails, uh, Rollins Band, Fishbone, and Rage Against the Machine were also there.
0: Nice. I love Rage Against the Machine.
1: Rage Against the Machine. He's a one-man band.
0: Yeah. Uh, Lollapalooza. That would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah. We were too young for that. We were. I mean, they still have the more fixed Lollapalooza in Chicago. That's not the same. I'd love to go to Chicago next weekend. You know why? Why? at the uh, at the site Grant Park where they hold the uh, now stationary Lollapalooza is Pokemon Go Fest. Wow, how are
1: you not going to that? I, I work. How are you not going to that? Get some time off. Chicago is only what, like six hour drive? Uh, I don't know. I've
0: never I've never driven to Chicago. I haven't I either. Been, like I do like it's think longer it's that than far. that. I'm, anyway, maybe yeah. I I will be missing out on the Pokemon Go festivities. Moving on to July 19th, though, Square releases Final Fantasy IV in Japan, the first Final Fantasy game for the Super Famicom, released in November as Final Fantasy II in North America, presumably for the SNES. Yep. Uh,
1: July 20th. Well, I don't really have anything to add about that. I never really played the Final
0: Fantasy games. I know, me either. I want to play Final Fantasy VII because that is, you've probably heard this as well, widely regarded as one of the best. Yeah,
1: that's the one, if you're going to play one.
0: Yeah, and I feel like the newer games, maybe they're just so massive in scope and depth that it'd be hard to get into, whereas Final Fantasy VII, I think, was just a PlayStation game, so probably bigger in scope than something that you could fit onto a Super Nintendo cartridge, but probably still not overwhelming in the way that some modern games probably can be.
1: Yeah, and they're they're remastering it, aren't they? Or have um, already. If
0: they, uh, yeah, if they haven't
1: already, I don't know. Mm. I, I don't know. Okay. July 20th. GM to close two plants cut 6,000 jobs. The General Motors Corporation said today that it would close two North American assembly plants, one in California and one in Scarborough, Ontario. Putting almost 6,000 people out of work. GM's move? Yeah, we're in the news. GM's move is in line with the pledge by Robert C. Stemple, the chairman, to balance the productive capacity of the number one automaker with demand for its vehicles by 1992. Despite several plant closings since '86, dwindling GM vehicle sales in the United States and Canada have resulted in more plant space and output than the company needs.
0: You know, the real problem is that the Chevette didn't have power steering. That was the issue, and it didn't have a passenger side side mirror either. Oh, yeah! Throw in those two things, and you would have had a dynamite car. Not to be confused with the Ford Pinto. Well, let's let's wrap things up here. Oh, two more days. All right, uh, July twenty-first, first twenty-first, uh, July twenty-first. After uh, this is Colin Firth Day, of course. Hmm. Uh, July twenty-first. After thirty-five years. Nation's ribbon of interstates nearly complete. By the end of this decade, the greatest construction project in history, bigger than the Roman aqueducts or the pyramids, uh, greater than the Great Wall of China, will be complete. This is a bold claim, but probably pretty accurate. A system that soars over mountains, spans rivers and bays and plains. Uh, is expected to end within the bowels of Boston sometime around 1998. The most productive partnership ever between the federal and state governments will have accomplished its goal: 44,000 miles of four-lane plus limited access, graded, separ- grade-separated, high-speed, coast-to-coast and border-to-border border highway. This is the interstate highway system, which is pretty, pretty cool. I mean, when you think about it. How many roads just weaving that network of highways going throughout America is pretty cool. Can we talk for a second about how Americans
1: get so up in arms about taxes and paying taxes and how the tax rate's too high and blah, blah, blah? But oh, yeah. then, if you want to fucking drive from one city to
0: another, you have to pay to use the highway. Are you shitting me, America? I mean, this is only in some states. Do you remember when, like, on our trip down to, to Tennessee, what, New York had tolls, Pennsylvania had tolls, but I think once we got into West Virginia, we were pretty much good, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I think it's a state-to-state thing, but yeah, it's fucking bullshit. Like, you got, you want to drive a few miles down the road and you have to pay, like, a buck or two? It costs like $15 US to drive from
1: uh western New York to where do we go Boston. I think that's what it came to like 15 US. Really? Yeah. Oh, no, wow. it's
0: not it's not cheap. Yeah, that's
1: uh, I feel like that's almost that's like half the price of gas probably. Uh, I don't know about that, but it fucking sucked. Speaking of things that fucking suck. Oh July yeah, we Jul- we're not ending the week on a good note. <laughs> we really aren't. Uh, boxer Mike Tyson is arrested and charged with the rape of Miss Black America contestant Desiree Washington three days earlier in Indianapolis, Indiana. Also, serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer is arrested after the remains of 11 men and boys are found in his Milwaukee, Wisconsin apartment. Police soon find out that he's
0: involved in six more murders. Uh, we can't have this to end out the week. This is too depressing. You know what? July 22nd, I feel like... A bunch of kittens and puppies had to be born this day. At least seven. Yeah, what do you think? All right. Uh, you know what? Yeah. Close out the week, Connor. There were at least seven kittens and puppies born on this day. What wonderful news. Wow. Um, That is the week.
1: <laughs> all right. Let's jump into the box office where things are significantly more enjoyable because one of the greatest movies of all time is in the number one spot, and that is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I would say maybe the greatest... Sequel only behind Empire Strikes Back. Uh,
0: the, I would say the greatest sequel in overall, in sort of contrast to other films in the series. Okay, even. Or at well, least original trilogy,
1: maybe. I don't know. Maybe even just in contrast to the first one. Like, Terminator was a great movie, but T2 was next level. Yeah,
0: whereas A New Hope was really good, and Empire was just exceptional yeah so it was it was it, it's less hard of a to jump. even compare yeah it was it was a smaller step, whereas Terminator was at one thousand of a leap up into the i don't know sky skynet something i don't know there's no joking
1: yeah speaking of excellent sequels at two bill and Ted's bogus journey yeah not not great but pretty good though, <laughs> so this is a, a lesser sequel. The lesser sequel. Uh, let's let's quickly just get through movies and music because it's going to be a little bit thin. I think. Yeah, um, uh, we have Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves on
0: here. That was nice. a good one. Yeah. Um. Oh, speaking of uh, going back to Bill and Ted's Keanu Reeves at number seven, we've got Point Break. So Keanu is, uh, you know, making his mark on the Billboard this week. I mean, box office. Yeah, for sure. Um, Naked Gun two and
1: a half, The Smell of Fear is at eight. We have City Slickers at nine and I think
0: I guess and Louise at fourteen. That's probably yeah. that's probably it. Let's end it right there. Um music, I don't think it's gonna be too much better. We've got uh something something a little Canadian for you this week again. Uh we will be talking about uh hot tracks, hit tracks and where to find them out of Canada.
1: Oh man. Uh in the number one spot Rush Rush Paula Abdul all right, but a song that people actually know more than words by Extreme, at two. Yeah, I don't know. Just pick out your favorites here. Let's just, All let's right. just do it like
0: Um, that. I feel like I feel like mentioning number six, "Walking in Memphis" by Mark Cohn Cone. Cone. I like I like Shares rendition of this. I'm just throwing that out there. Wow. Uh, yeah. at eleven, fan of the podcast, local personal
1: hero, and dare I say, mentor. Michael Bolton with Love is a Wonderful Thing.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's a- accurate. All very, yeah. very accurate. Yeah. <sighs> oh, 19, we've got Losing My Religion by R.E.M. Okay.
1: Um, I Want to Sex You Up is on here at 23.
0: Nice. I almost, I, I feel like that could be a good place to end. Okay. Yeah. I'm also, have we, have we mentioned a single Canadian song out of this list of- I don't think so. This was not a good week oh, for for Canadian music. At 33 Twist
1: My Arm by The Tragically Hip. You there can we almost go. always rely on a Canadian music list from the 90s to include The Hip somewhere.
0: Oh yeah, though they've got to be on there as well. Uh just a, a quick look. We've also we also do have Blue Rodeo on there. Uh Celine Dion is she's there. Those uh, more Canadian Blue Rodeo. Stickers. Yeah, so there are there are some Canadians definitely definitely repping the list. But not really in the top 10. All
1: right. Let's get into some 90s news now because, I, I mean, I posted it to the Facebook page immediately. But if you're not following us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, then maybe this is news to you if you also don't go outside. Hercules is being made into a stage play, hopefully one that appears on Broadway, hopefully the one that makes its way to Toronto, and hopefully one that I, I can get tickets for. I need everything to line up here.
0: Yeah, you need the stars to align. That being said, take a trip to New York. New York City is nice. Yo, let's take a mega bus. We could take a mega bus every now and
1: then. I get Google flights updates about like two hundred dollar round trip flights to New York City.
0: Oh yeah, I feel like I feel like a bus or a train would be a decent way to go. But yeah, two hundred dollar flight. That's not bad. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, our our
1: point here is that I think Hercules has a legitimate chance to be like an incredibly well done, beloved, long running. Broadway play like it, I th- it's got all so. of the pieces
0: it does and there's some things that uh, or, I mean, sorry I've never seen musical. any of
1: hmm? musical
0: yeah I've never seen any of these Disney adaptation musicals like live stage ones like I've never seen the Lion King but as much as the Lion King is one of my favorite movies it was one of my favorite movies growing up uh, I would certainly see the stage adaptation but I'm not jumping at it in the same way that I kind of feel about about Hercules.
1: Yeah, I think. Well, I think it's because Hercules was a lot more lighthearted and fun. Yeah. Like Lion King had a lot of points where it was like emotional or dark and brooding, whereas, which
0: I like. Oh um, well, no,
1: it doesn't make it bad. But especially for a musical, like, I want to see something that maybe it's, you know, a little brighter and tripper. How how many times can you watch Les Miserables, you know?
0: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and there's there's some solid songs in here that will be awesome to experience live. Uh, specifically, I think Zero to Hero and Go the Distance.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Could you like, imagine uh, if they uh, get Michael Bolton for this? If
0: they got, or if they got <sighs> Michael Bolton for, like, even just the premiere show or, like, the first week run... Fuck, that's that is when we are taking something, some means of transit down to New York City and getting in there.
1: Yep, I agree. That would be so cool.
0: Oh yeah. Um, speaking of, I kind of want to just roll with these Disney punches right now. Sure. Uh, Have you heard about the Star Wars Land that they're going to be opening at Disney in 2019? I have. Yeah, it looks pretty fucking cool. Uh, I think they are now like people have just been throwing around Star Wars Land. Uh. Unfortunately, it's not named that. I think they're calling it Galaxy's Edge. Oh. Yeah, which is which is pretty cool. Well, why not call um, it the Outer Rim, though, or something oh, like that? Oh, Outer Rim could be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they're just worried about people spray-painting the word job on the end of it.
1: Uh, yeah, that's but it a looks, legitimate concern.
0: It looks cool. Like It's just kind of a, an all-encompassing Star Wars sort of seedy well, outer rim kind of town, I guess, that they're constructing. And it looks really, really cool. There's one more thing that I want to look up real quick. So another thing that they're apparently opening at uh, at Disney is some kind of immersive Star Wars hotel. Ooh. Yeah. So in this, it's kind of like a mini Westworld. Have you... You're, you're familiar with the concept of Westworld if you haven't actually watched it, right?
1: Yeah, I'm familiar.
0: Okay. So the idea is, uh, yeah, so it's an immersive Disney Star Wars hotel. Um, All the employees will be in costume, in character. Every guest will have their own storyline. And there's going to be projections outside of the windows of stars and planets and things like that. Uh, In order to enter the hotel, you have to change into Star Wars, into costume. Okay, like not necessarily a stormtrooper or something like that, but you probably you might have to throw on like a, a vest with a belt, or you wouldn't be able to wear your normal civilian clothing. You are entering an actual Star Wars world in this hotel, and that seems really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm down with that. Yeah, because I mean, walking down halls, seeing stars, having like you're walking down your hotel room to you're walking down the hallway to get ice. And a fucking protocol droid just, like, rolls by you and, like, beep bloops at you.
1: Oh, man. How fucking cool is that? I'm
0: into that. You pass, like, you pass a fucking Mon Calamare in a bathrobe. And he's just like, you know, uh, oh, the continental breakfast. We can't repel flavor of that magnitude. (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: There's so many wonderful opportunities for it to be, like, the hokiest thing ever.
0: It would be the best. Like, you're walking down the hall, you bump into a Wookiee. It's like, someone, a Han Solo-like person's like, oh, watch it there, not actually Chewy. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, yeah. let's, let's take a
1: U-turn from where we are right now and get into our 90s spotlight.
0: All right, we will be taking, yeah, we don't know if uh U-turns are allowed on this road as we travel down, but hey, we're not the taxicab driver of the taxicab of yesteryear, so Everything
1: take that U-turn we Everything will. comes full circle,
0: much like a U-turn, and then if you do another U-turn. Oh my god. Uh we're talking about 90 cereal this week. <laughs> I want to start off today's spotlight with a teeny tiny little thankfully not 90s. So back in the 1990s, online shopping for the most part didn't exist, at least in the beginning of the decade, and while it had most definitely sprung up by by the end of the decade, it was nowhere close to the industry that it is today. If you were doing any kind of remote shopping, it was probably mail order or maybe phone ordering from something like the shopping channel or an infomercial. And while I'm sure many companies did have free shipping options after spending a certain amount of money, uh, their extra options for getting to that free shipping were probably much more limited compared to something like Amazon. What I'm trying to get at here is in the 90s, I don't think it would have been possible to add a kilogram of Frosted Flakes to your order in order to qualify for free shipping. I mean, Frosted Flakes are great, I will admit or else, why would I have ordered so many, so much? <laughs> Approximately one kilogram. The rate in which I've been going through this enormous box of cereal is not a good thing. <laughs> Basically, I'm eating it dry out of the box like it's trail mix or chips. And it's probably better than chips, but it's certainly not healthy. That, and that's it. That's the whole story. That's that's our lead-in to
1: talking about cereals in the 90s. One kilogram. This
0: box is almost empty. It's a like, big uh, box. I, when... We're uh, we're again recording over Skype this weekend because I have to work a late shift again, and because of that, uh, you know, I wanted some breakfast and stuff, <laughs> and I showed Connor over the Skype window the giant box of Frosted Flakes. What he can't see is how light that box now is. Oh, man. Um, Okay, so this one's a bit of a weird one, because obviously,
1: as some of you know by now, we are Canadian, and there are distinctly uh, different versions of things that Canadians get versus Americans. Frankly, you guys get a lot more and a far wider selection, especially when it comes to breakfast cereals uh, than oh, yeah. we do. So some of the cereals that we talk about, you may still have, you may have never had, and as you're about to see and hear... Some of the ones that you might be really familiar with we've never seen or heard of un- until doing research for this bit
0: i've never even heard of the first one,
1: yeah, exactly, so there's a serial called hidden treasures i 've never heard of it either. This does not look at all familiar, and like because we're from Niagara Falls, like we went grocery shopping over in the states sometimes, and i I still don't remember this, but some of these do ring a bell like the next one sprinkle spangles nope uh, you, you uh not ring the bell to me spangles? oh man yeah um, uh, okay what about pop tarts crunch pop tarts crunch that sounds vaguely familiar yeah i i remember this i don't think i had it but the next one the next one is one that i know you've had or I no. assume you've had you haven't had oreos
0: no oreo o's yeah no, I've never had oh that. God. In in very
1: exciting news, Oreos are being brought back, and they were they
0: were delicious. Might have to give them a a shot. That being said, number 5, that I think will resonate with both both of us. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we've got Dino Pebbles, the Flintstone cereal. Uh this was from Post. Uh I actually don't remember this so much as I remember Post Fruity Pebbles.
1: Well, yeah, Fruity Pebbles, but Dino Pebbles, the chocolate ones, they were not as good. I wasn't as big of a fan of those. Yeah, I
0: remember some of the marketing for this. Uh, They would roll through the colors of the Fruity Pebbles. There was uh, red, orange, green, purple, blue, and yellow, something, 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 post-Fruity Pebbles.
1: (laughs) You're crushing it. It's all coming back. It's It's all all partially
0: coming back to you now. Yeah. Uh, Okay, do you remember Cinnamon Mini Buns? Uh, I don't. And also, from this article that we're going through, the photo has been removed. So I don't even have a visual reference. Google
1: cinnamon mini buns while I talk about whatever's next. But this was one I loved cinnamon mini buns when I was a kid. I mean, they could have just been sugary garbage. In fact, they probably were sugary probably. garbage. But I remember holding a very, uh, very warm spot in my heart for cinnamon mini buns. They do not ring a bell. God damn it. Um, okay, Count Chocula? That must. Well, Count Chocula's still around, is it not? I don't think so. I think a couple of years ago, yeah, they say here like it made a comeback in the, in the 2013 and 2014 Halloweens.
0: They still must have Count
1: Chocula. Keep in mind that a lot of Holy these cereals that we're talking about either came out in the 90s or ended in the 90s, so there will be some 80s and 2000s overlap.
0: Yeah, I'm going through a Red Flag Deals forum post right now, and people are not having a lot of a lot of look a lot of luck with them. Um, some people are saying they're seasonal. Some people are saying they haven't seen them in years. So, wow. Uh, yeah, they're not Ocula, Someone hit him with that wooden stake.
1: Ha! Uh, do you remember? Okay, Reptar Crunch.
0: What? The, the Rugrats cereal. They, i think i remember this i think i vaguely remember reptar crunch that is so fucking cool though right um yeah. there was a teddy graham cereal i don't remember that one no idea and that bear on the back cover looks like he is going to take things way too far yeah real creepy. i feel uncomfortable uh the next one we
1: don't have in canada so Kix, k-i-x is one of my favorite cereals it's so lame they're like they're like less sugary corn pops,
0: kind oh, of. Oh, that's yeah, that sucks.
1: Um, yeah, for sure. But I love them. I don't know why. They're like little bits of cardboard. Okay. Uh, they had a berry flavor, berry berry kicks. Uh, but we didn't get those. Um, Bill and Ted apparently had a cereal that I've never seen. So did Me Urkel. Either. Like there are a lot of Urkelos. TV cereals. Urkelos.
0: That is amazing. Help Urkel find Laura. Free game on this package. So uncomfortable that is to look so at. So amazing. I <laughs> right? w- I want some fucking Urkelos. Holy shit! What do we have? Uh, rice krispie treats. Yeah, what I is remember this? these a pre-formed ones. Preformed little like rice krispie square cereal. Yep. Oh, I do remember this. Yeah. yeah, that shit was good. Yeah, they were pretty damn good. Yeah, probably terrible for you, but I liked them. Yep.
1: Um. There were also superhero cereals. So there was a Spider Man, oh. an Avengers, and a Hulk.
0: Yeah, we still I imagine we still probably have uh something like that. Like though that Avengers ones looks looks pretty modern. Yeah, it does. That must have been like a two thousands.
1: Well, I mean it definitely was that Iron Man, right? Um Wheaties in the I think this was an early nineties one. Uh, Wheaties had a limited time run of Dunkaballs and they were like little basketballs. That cereal looks pretty cool.
0: It does. It I think this was in reference to NBA jam. Maybe. That being said, though, I feel like whatever they used to make the basketball lines on these cereal is probably not good for you. Probably not. Maybe it's just black licorice. Yeah. Uh, What do we have next? We've got something called Fruity Yummy Mummy. Yeah, Fruity Yummy
1: Mummy. This was a really early 90s cereal. Like I think it ended in 92,
0: 93. Oh, wow. Somewhere um, in there. Yeah, moving down, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had their own cereal. Uh, apparently-, apparently not pizza-flavored.
1: Yeah, so did the Adams family. Wow. Um what else is on here? Waffle Crisp? Waffle, Waffle Crisp is just crisp. like honeycombs pretty much. Okay. Ooh, a fan favorite at number twenty.
0: French toast crunch. That's gotta still be a thing. Not really, no. What about cinnamon toast crunch? Yeah, that's still a thing. Okay cuz this is the same this is the same
1: general idea right true french toast crunch was like a, a limited time thing that i think stuck around for longer than was expected but was eventually pulled
0: okay uh there's that's that pretty much does it for the list but there's a couple more things that i want to touch on and that was the intense marketing aimed at kids for all of this children's cereal I oh mean, yeah as demonstrated by the fact that I still remember at least half of the jingle for Post Fruity Pebbles, <laughs> uh, in so much that I re- have the brand name ingrained in me. It's not just Fruity Pebbles. It's not just the Flintstone cereal. It's Post Fruity Pebbles. Like, I almost feel like I am spouting out the registered trademark uh, logos as I say them.
1: Yeah, you're the corporate machine, man.
0: I am a product of it. I am a product of 90s marketing towards kids. I think we all are. everything Everything that they sought to make is what I am as a human being. All of those commercials repeating over and over on every commercial break is imbued in ways I probably don't even know on such a subconscious level in my inner being wow deep that this is almost like one of those universal so- soldiers or clockwork orange things except considerably more commercial boring and with no real usable <laughs> scenario Perfect. besides something kind of like the last starfighter have you ever seen the last starfighter oh that sounds really familiar why does that sound familiar it's uh this shitty movie. Uh actually it's probably actually all right. But it's this movie where this guy is really good at this one arcade game called oh, I think the Last Starfighter. Yeah. And then because of that he is recruited to pl- like join some interstellar war because he now is the best pilot that they have because of his experience with this arcade game.
1: This is very similar to a book called Armada that Talia was telling me about. Same kind okay. of thing. Like there's this video game and uh like all the kids are playing it, but it's actually used, being used as a recruiting tool for like an incoming an impending alien invasion. Yeah,
0: that's that's definitely the idea except it's just one person. The one last thing I want to touch on on this intense marketing that is etched into my memory. Do you remember Alphabets?
1: Of course I remember alphabets.
0: Yeah. Sometime towards the mid to late 90s, do you remember they had the wizard uh th- that was their mascot. Yep. But marketing executives decided to change the wizard because I guess that was less cool to this kind of floating computer head. Oh thing. yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, and they sort of tra- they eased the blow to kids over the course of maybe maybe 6 months or a year they introduced the new mascot, and then kind of waned off the wizard until we were left with the new mascot. That's so disappointing. It is, and it's so unusual that that is just burned into my soul. That's weird. Speaking of things that are burned in my soul,
1: one cereal I wanted to bring up that was not on the list, that is apparently still a thing in the States, but you certainly cannot get here, Frosted Cheerios. Did you ever have Frosted Cheerios? No. Okay, so, I mean, I think we've all had Cheerios, probably, unless you're, you know, celiac or something. Cheerios are okay. They're pretty good. I'm a fan. Frosted Cheerios are special to me because they were, they were, like, the step between good cereal and bad cereal. Like, you could almost convince yourself that, oh, this isn't bad for me. It's Cheerios. It's not. It's covered
0: in frosting, motherfucker. But, you know, they're delicious. Yeah. I think that's most children's cereal Uh, You can try to convince yourself that it's part of this balanced breakfast and is good for you, but it's also coated in a nice heaping layer of sugar. But in the 90s, we believed that. Like, cereal peaked in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's going way down. Cereal sales have been declining ever since, I think it's like the early 2000s. They drop every year.
0: Breakfast is less of a thing. You know, people have less time on their hands. You just grab like a snack bar or a bagel or something on the way to work. So I I believe that.
1: Well, I think a lot of it's to do with like carbohydrates are bad for you. And we know more
0: about that now. And anyway, that's the end of that. Yeah. Oh, one last thing that I wanted to mention uh, that we wrote down. Oh, yeah. You had tricks, right? I did. Tricks were so good. And I've told you about this before. Actually, you were present when my my theory was debunked. True. So the last time that I had tricks, up until a couple of years ago, was roughly around the time I was 17 or 18. And, like me, if you remember the 90s marketing for this, tricks is for kids. That tricks is are what for they, kids. Yeah, that is what they said to the rabbit. Silly rabbit, tricks are for kids and shortly after the time that i became legally an adult tricks disappeared the last time i ever remember having tricks was in 2006 the year that we both turned 18 that's correct and i looked for it i i remembered tricks is so good those fruit shaped things that may be slightly good for you but are covered in sugar they were really good and i wanted to find them but for years i could not see them so i thought what if they're here what <laughs> if these tricks are actually in the cereal aisle but because i am not a kid i can't see the tricks uh maybe you need to either be a kid or be a parent and then when the kid grabs the tricks off the shelf the perception is just the the lack of being able to see it is shattered and because you are the adult who needs to purchase it it is f- you're forced to confront the reality that the tricks do in fact exist it makes total sense however this was debunked in 2015 when we went camping shortly i think it was in may right it was the may long weekend we yeah. went camping in the states with a bunch of people and as we were in tops i found the tricks it turns out that Tricks had, uh, like a lot of things on that list we read, been discontinued in Canada and were only available in the United States. However, Tricks have now taken on a purely spherical form. They're not shaped like the fruits and probably other fruits that they were uh, shaped like back in the 90s and early 2000s. And because of that, they don't taste as good. They really don't. No. So Tricks is a shell of its former self. Ah, uh, and I'm sad to say that maybe, maybe it's true. Silly rabbit tricks are for kids. Every week on the show, we bring you a sponsor. Sometimes
1: real, sometimes fictitious. This week is, uh, you know, the same as the last few. Same as the last few, fictitious but very real because you certainly remember this. Yeah, stuck it's real in tonight. the 90s is brought to you by the fees they charged for not rewinding your VHS tapes. Were you kind? Did you rewind? If you did not, you had to pay a fee. And usually it was only like a dollar. But
0: when the movie rental was like three dollars, that was a significant charge. That is a significant percentage of your overall investment in that rental movie. Right. Here's what I want to know, especially if any of our listeners did work or were very well acquainted with a video rental store back in the 90s. Let's say you weren't kind and you didn't rewind. Did they? Yeah, they did. Was there a VHS player or was there a rewinding machine? Because those existed. In fact there was. Yeah, there was one, so if you they if you didn't rewind, there was actually a service being performed. That yeah,
1: that is correct. Every time I rented a movie, it was rewound.
0: I feel like I've rented a movie that wasn't. Really? Yeah, maybe maybe from somewhere like video ninety nine yeah, or I was something. just gonna
1: say like a corner store video store.
0: Yeah, so I'm wondering if these ones, they charge maybe they charge you the be kind rewind fee but they don't actually do anything about it that's so good i love that i love that much
1: more than actually rewinding it
0: yeah that's what i feel could have been the case in some places but yeah remembering back there were definitely machines that existed solely to rewind videotapes Uh, i think they were marketed as something to reduce the wear and tear on your vcr yeah, and they did it. I think they did it
1: faster as well. Is I think so. The, is that the single most '90s piece of tech that there is? A VHS standalone rewinder.
0: I think it is. And you know what? We might have a spotlight for for some week in the future if if we do some in depth research. I guess it could be '80s tech. We'll have to we'll have to look into this. Yeah, I would. i still think it qualifies as '90s tech. A machine that exists solely to rewind video cassette tapes true all right um i think that's about all i've got how about you oh uh, yeah i think that's uh about it uh as you said before we started recording um i think you said you want to keep it around 25 minutes because we are both in rooms that are very quickly heating up without having our air conditioning on i am so hot right now and we it, are well over the 35 minute mark at this point we are almost at 41 minutes this is the longest podcast we've ever
1: recorded it'll get cut down a bit but holy shit.
0: Yeah, it's it's up there. So as always, you can find us online at facebook.com slash stuckintheninetiespodcast.com. Uh, Twitter, SIT90s, Instagram, Stuck in the 90s podcast. Send us an email at at gmail.com. Be a $10 sponsor, and we will remember you more fondly than we remember VHS Rewinders. Uh, anything else, Dad? Nope. All right. Next week, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know when we're doing it, but uh, <laughs> we'll be talking about a week in the 90s, and we will see you then. Connor, anything else, Dad? No, I think that is about everything. So for now, the My podcast air conditioner is turning back. I mean, the podcast is, is now, now
1: over. Air conditioned. Oh, yeah. Okay.